Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast. My name is Jack Murley. I am a professional broadcaster each and every week, joined by my co-host, professional rugby player, Charlie Beckett, to talk about everything happening in the world of pro wrestling in a show by wrestling fans for wrestling fans. Today, it's all about money in the bank reaction, AEW Dynamite, and someone being sick on Monday Night Raw. Before we get into all of that, hello, Charlie. How are you? Thank you, Jack. Hello, everyone. Morning, morning, morning. I am recording once again from my hallway today. It is the glamorous life because having a dog has meant I'm kicked out of my own lounge. And for some reason, my Wi-Fi has decided it's not going to work in my office. So that's good, isn't it? So when the uh, visual of this goes out on socials, you'll see to my right, my caps, my left, my stairs. And my head has to stay exactly where it is to block out the light bulb that hasn't got a lampshade on it yet. So that's good, isn't it? It's 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 to, to make things clear for those who are just listening rather than watching some of the videos we put out. Charlie is sat literally about a meter and a half from the front door. So if the postman comes, there's a chance a letter's going to slam into the back of your head. Yes, definitely. So that would be quite a shock for uh, for Alan the postman. I imagine I'm good mates with our postman. I don't know who else is. Yeah, because my other half's always ordering parcels and is always working. So I'm always at the door getting them. And we, he's always like, oh, another one. And I'm like, yeah. And we're just really good mates because he's called Alan and we get on very well. I am the opposite. I don't like to know. I don't like people knowing where I live. I don't like them coming here. So, uh, but luckily I'm away from the post box. So no one's going to see me, but let's start talking wrestling. That's why people listen each and every week. Remember, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get this podcast from. He's Charlie underscore Beckett. I'm Jack underscore Murley. Let's kick off with WWE Money in the Bank premium lime event from the MGM Grand Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. We get cash-ins, classic tag matches, surprise entrance, and more. Charlie, kick us off with your thoughts what do we reckon well, it was a pretty fun show it wasn't an all-time classic but it wasn't a stinker either was it i thought the ladder matches were good as they always are uh the usos the street profits put on an absolute all-timer of a tag match genuinely go out of your way to watch that that that's an all-time classic tag match uh Liv morgan got her moment which is brilliant uh I have mixed with, again, for another year, the women's division isn't going to have the storytelling device of the briefcase, which I think is a mistake. Liv could have had a moment at any point through the year and we could have teased it and that sort of stuff. But it was a great moment for her. But yeah, Usos and the Street Profits absolutely stole the show from me. You get into that then because I, because it was a Saturday night pay-per-view, a Saturday night premium live event. It was very strange. I was doing my daytime show on Sunday and seeing your reaction to it, and, and I hadn't seen the event yet, but I went back and watched and you're absolutely right. That tag match, extraordinary. Yeah, and it, I, it shouldn't really come as a shock, should it? Because the Usos are a generational team, mm. and the Street Profits are just proving over and over again how brilliant they are. Um, Dawkins and Ford have great chemistry, they're both great wrestlers technically and the energy they bring is brilliant. And I don't mind the bit of a funny finish because I think we'll get this again at SummerSlam and I've got no problems with that. Put this in front of a huge hot SummerSlam crowd and let them go at it again. It's like, it was like a few years ago when the Usos and the New Day, I talk about that rivalry a lot, just wrestled each other pretty much for a year and we didn't change it because very much if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I think we might be getting into that sort of territory with um, the Street Profits and the Usos as well. 
I think the Usos are now at that level where they are so good that they're elevating other talent because the New Day and the Usos were sort of on a level when they had that epic rivalry. Now the Usos are a team you can put in there with someone like the Street Profits who have had, you know, plenty of moments themselves to shine, but they're, they're perhaps not perceived at the same level as the Usos who are a number one with a bullet and they have been elevated up and you, you, you'd be mad not to want to see that match again. Yeah, I, I absolutely want to see that again. And for some reason, I want to see a triple threat with the New Day thrown in there as well. I don't know how you work that. I don't know what the storytelling device would be, but I just think that would be a brilliant, brilliant tag match. But that absolutely stole the show for me. Uh, I thought the women's ladder match was decent. It was a good ladder match. It was There was a few spots that didn't quite work, but that always happens in the ladder match. Shotzi Blackheart is tough. She is yes. a tough woman. She wrote She had quite a nasty bump, I think, with her head on the ladder and just carried on. So I hope she's okay. Um, and then the men's ladder match was very good. It was very good. The spot where they all put Omos through the table is a brilliant spot. That That's one that we talked about for a long time. I, I enjoyed that spot massively. Thought it was a great match. I don't love the last minute put theory in and theory wins. Let's get into this. Let's get into this then as a moment, because we like stakes in wrestling and we saw qualifying matches and sure it's WWE. Sometimes people get thrown in um, to, to kick things off, but they did do qualifications, last chance battle royales, that type of thing to throw theory in at the end doesn't work for me at all. No, and, and if they had, it's because we're all led to believe and the, the unspoken truth is that he's Vince's protégé, Vince loves him, he's Vince's golden boy. Have Vince come out and say, Vince hasn't been shy of wanting to get on camera recently. Don't send Adam Pearce out, send Vince out. Get the Vince pop, say Vince is throwing him in. I just think that, I said on Twitter, I always think the Money in the Bank briefcase, briefcase is best in the hands of a heel and best in the hands of young talent who it can get over and help to build. So in that case... I'm happy with it being theory. I think we can do something with this. I just think the way we've got there wasn't the best for either the story or for him. It gives him a bit of the go-away heat straight away. So he's got a mountain to climb, I think, to get over with that briefcase. And is he really the man to beat Roman? Which is your next question, isn't it? Well, this is the thing. I mean, I think what we've got here, and, and some other folks have said it, is this is the guy who's going to take it off Cody. That Cody's going to beat Roman and then Theory's going to take that belt from Cody and put Cody straight back into chase mode. Now we're booking months and months and months and months down the line, but that is something that instantly came to my mind because you're right, Austin Theory, physically, in terms of charisma, in terms of the way Roman has been booked, is he is not the guy to take that off Roman Reigns. No, not at all. i tell you who I thought really did impress me, and I'm glad he's away from... Maybe some of his silly games. I think Madcap Moss, I, prefer, I hope they call him Riddick Moss or just Moss. Yeah. I think he could be quite good. He's got the body, he's got the charisma, and he's given a chance. And this is the kind of match where you can give a couple of lesser known talents that chance and almost say, let's see what you can do. Yeah, he, yeah he's got the look and the charisma, as you say. He's very physical. The, the standard, quote unquote, big man moves he does, he does well. I think there could be a good upper mid carder in there if they treat him right. Um, also, did you see online um, Corbin's beatdown of uh, Pat McAfee after the show? Have you seen this? No, I've missed this. And this is the problem. What? Why did they... So it's a digital exclusive that happened after Money in the Bank went off air. It's a brilliant one-minute beatdown. Um, Corbin jumps the uh, barricade, catches Pat um, unaware while he's on commentary, 
gives him the end of days on the outside brutally. Pat sells it like a champ, and he says, SummerSlam Challenge accepted. But a load of people have missed this because they did it as a digital exclusive after the pay-per-view had aired, which makes zero sense to me. That completely passed me by. Had they done that on on SmackDown, on Fox coming up out of money in the bank, that would have been a huge moment to have. Um, before we go back to the women's match, because I don't want to gloss over that, let's touch on a couple of other spots in that men's match. Sami Zayn continues to be amazing. The spot where Omos was taking out everyone and Sami was hidden behind that animated ring post, shushing the crowd. Don't tell him I'm here. That is a guy who is not just in the character. He is that character. He's inhabiting it. He's an absolute gem, isn't he? He just, he doesn't miss a beat of what that character is and what that character should be. Um, And it's hilarious when you think about everything we see of the actual Sami Zayn is the complete opposite to that. He seems like the kindest, most caring, big-hearted, lovable man in the world, but he plays this slimy, dastardly creep almost, just to a T. So he's doing, yeah, we, we keep saying it week on week, he's doing some excellent work at the moment. That was fantastic. And a spot that I hated that turned into something I really loved, and you as our athlete can shine some some light on this. There was a moment where Drew was put under the ladder by Sheamus, and it looked, and WWE doesn't often do this, and I appreciate wrestling his performance. It looked really daft because Drew was sort of miming he was being throttled by the bottom rung of the ladder, where it clearly was nowhere near his neck. And I and I was watching it thinking, this, this isn't great. This is they should look at this. And then he bench pressed the ladder with Sheamus on the top. And I mean that is unbelievable strength. Yeah, that's a very 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 strong boy, Drew McIntyre. Yeah, but I, I agree with the first bit, like. No one really is believing that was throttling him because he was having to like lean up to get his neck exactly. on the run. Like Drew, you got loads of space, mate. I can't. I I gotta say, I love Drew and Sheamus's relationship of their their whole relationship and rivalry is we just batter seven lumps out of each other, but they're kind of begrudgingly friends because of it. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know where we're going for Clash at the Castle, but if. If they went down the route of you maybe get an odd couple friendship between Sheamus and Drew, and if you're not going to have Roman lose the title at Clash at the Castle, then maybe you have Sheamus and Drew take the tag belts off the Usos. I mean, that would that would sort of work for me. I do like an odd couple tag team. Yeah. I do like a tag that's team. Us. That that's us. That's our really... dynamic. Yes, yes, that is us. That is us. <laughs> if anyone has any ideas what our name would be as a tag team, that could be fun. If anyone wants to send them in, also could be disastrous as well. Um I just don't like what they're doing, my boy Peter Dunn. And Butch, it was like, he's better than running in and just trying to choke out Drew and bumping for him. He's better than that, Jack. Like, he's been in this weird character for a few months now, and there's been no real storyline development apart from he's the weirdo who hangs out with Seamus. Yeah, and he likes Peaky Blinders, and that's sort of where we are, and, and he deserves better than that. We know, though, that Theory will keep that Money in the Bank briefcase for one calendar year, which will take us through to July of 2023, unless he chooses to cash in. Liv Morgan does not have that option, because having won the women's Money in the Bank, she cashed in on Ronda Rousey. Before we get to the cash-in, just a thought about, do, do you know what makes me wince every time I see it? In the men's Money in the Bank, in the women's Money in the Bank, every ladder match is the spot where they grab the knee, wrench it back, and they drop down to the canvas. And la- Because every time I look at that, and you're the athlete, I just think, your knees, just just careful of that. Well, we were doing line-outs the first time yesterday. For, so I haven't jumped in line-out for probably like two months now, and the ground is hard yeah. at the moment. And genuinely, after 
10, 15 lineouts, my knees are screaming at me. And that's landing on my feet and being brought like my my fall is eased down by someone half breaking it. Not off the same height, landing straight on my knees onto a canvas that isn't very forgiving. It's, it's amazing, isn't it, how maybe switched off we've become to spots like that that are so dangerous because we see so many high-risk spots now. But just sometimes the more, not basic, but the more common ones actually are probably the most dangerous to the wrestlers. Yeah, it, it, mundane is the wrong word, but we both know what we, we're digging at here, and folks, you will as well. It just makes me wince because you know how long folks can be out from those injuries. Liv Morgan overcame it all. Big pop when she won. Even bigger pop when she came out to cash in on Ronda Rousey, who just defeated Natalia. Shout out to Michael Cole and Pat McAfee. I don't know if you've seen the video that they had on the desk where Liv's music plays and out she comes. They again... Such a good pairing, and they sold it, but we now don't have the drama of a potential cash-in on the women's side. They did it in a night. Yeah, it seems to be their favourite thing, isn't it? Do it in a night. I tell you what, though, a bit when Ronda got her in an ankle lock. Yeah, I, I did thought, too. I thought, oh, no, they're going to do live dirty. I thought, they're going to do a dirty here. They loved it. And then, and then, yeah, I was pleased she won, because I think I always think a failed cash-in almost kills a star. As much as a briefcase can make someone a failed... Like, look at Damien Sandow. Back in the day, he was flying high off that and then he failed his cash-in and looked like an absolute idiot. Baron Corbin has never yeah. really recovered from his failed cash-in, has he? So I was pleased that didn't happen. I I would have put a lot of money on Ronda after she did the hug and arm raise, beating her down. I thought we were getting a full heel, smash her face in Ronda Rousey, but we didn't. I was just, how underwhelming has this Ronda Rousey title reign been? Genuinely. <laughs> It's miscast, isn't it? it? It's it's poor casting from the off. Ronda is a heel. She's a natural heel, and they never ever ever built up credible baby faces on the um on the SmackDown side of things to have her play that heel role. So they had to slot her in as a baby face, and it just doesn't work because no one N- Natalia wasn't on her. You can have a heel Ronda Rousey and baby faces that aren't at her level lose because they're punching up. But if you have her as a baby face at that level and heels below, they never look credible. It, the dynamics are off and it just hasn't worked. No, it, it's it's a shame when you've got such a huge sporting global superstar as Ronda Rousey. And I, I'm not even, be, I'm not even at Met. I genuinely couldn't care about anything she's done the last few months, which is, horrifying to say because I was so excited when they signed Ronda Rousey a few years ago so there's some work to do with Ronda but what we know is she's got the talent for it to be changed round and I think that's good um three hours and four minutes I think that that clocked in it and I can't remember the last time that that happened that may be the biggest takeaway at all WWE has finally remembered the formula that makes it work hallelujah I sat down I watched it in one sitting and I didn't feel exhausted I enjoyed it it's not daft, is it? Three hours is about what you can take of anything. Give us that. It, you know, we're not sitting there going, oh, we like the Uso Street Profits, but then we had another hour to sit through. It was great. I enjoyed it. It was palatable. And that was part of why it was fun. That was part of why it was fun, because I only took three hours. I didn't have to do three sittings and rev myself up. There's been a few shows recently. I've generally gone on a um, on a Tuesday at some point when they've gone, I've got to watch this before tomorrow with Jack. And that's not what wrestling should be. No, it's so not. um, who do you think that weird little promo was for? The weird, mysterious promo? I think it was for Edge. I think, think it's Edge. A, I think it's an Edge comeback promo, but I like that they're doing that kind of thing. I, I like a good... Do you remember the ones with Sting 
um, years back where we thought it was Sting, but actually it was The Undertaker yeah. and they were all, and that sort of the flames burnt through. Yeah. I love a good mysterious promo like this. Yeah, that caught me off guard. I was loving it because people are saying they think it's Bray. Uh, I don't think so. I think it's Edge as well. But we haven't heard anything out of Bray, have we, for a long time where he's going. So, yeah, I think I think it's uh, I think it's Edge too. My one last takeaway from Money in the Bank, and I tweeted this, was it was a good pay-per-view. But I still cannot believe that WWE can put on a pay-per-view premium live event and have the likes of Nakamura, AJ Styles, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns just sat at home. Did it detract from your enjoyment of it, though? Not in the moment, but would I have enjoyed it more with that calibre of talent on the show? Probably. Yeah. Like, would I have enjoyed more a match including those people than the Theory Lashley United States Championship match? Yes, I probably would. Like, you've just put your Intercontinental title on a new monster and your first pay-per-view, he's not defending it. Like, why would you not have... Why would that... Um, Gunther Ricochet match. Imagine ten minutes of them on that. That like, it was a great match on SmackDown. Imagine putting it on on the pay per view. But we've just said we liked the length the way it was. Yeah, true. And I, I'm going to sound off, but did we need both the women's title matches? Were they that great of matches, or could we put better matches on than that? Is, yeah. my, is my only question. Could we have moved Bianca versus Carmella to Raw to get a match of a higher quality? Now that's nothing against those women; they're brilliant, but. Carmella was never going to beat Bianca. Let's be honest here. I like Carmella. I think she's a great joy. I think she's great in her role. And I think that she's a great worker, but she's not a credible threat to a champ. So could we not have run that on Raw and put a match that was going to bring more eyes, be more enjoyable, maybe have a more credible threat to the champion defending? Especially when the IC title needs some rehabilitation. It needs some love. It needs a cuddle. It needs a cuddle. <laughs> the IC title you needs a cuddle. You go and cuddle Gunter then. You go and do it. Yeah. No, no, the belt. Gunter doesn't. Can I uh, ask you something? That's my Gunther. only slight gripe. I've got to stay grumpy, haven't I? That's my only slight gripe. Hashtag stay grumpy. Can I ask you something about Gunter? He has got himself into incredible shape. Mm-hmm. Incredible. However, am I wrong in thinking he has lost some of his mystique by the way he has got himself into that kind of shape? Because he's lost a lot of mass. And I don't mean in terms of muscle. He's just not as big a dude as he was. It's really interesting because no one in the world is going to say he's small, okay? But in the world of WWE, where you have six, seven, six, eight, six, nine men, seven, three in Omos, frequently, he's only six foot four. He's my height. Now, I'm not a small man, and neither is he. But even in rugby, I'm not a giant. And part of the draw with him was he's, he was almost as wide as he is tall because he was just a monster of a man. And unbelievable work, what he's done to get into that shape, because it is not easy. And he didn't need to, per se, because he could still wrestle with his extra 15 kilos, whatever he had on. So he's, I think he must have done it, because he's moved to America, hasn't he? Because things changed his personal life, and that's why he's moved to America and is doing it here properly. And I don't know whether they've put him with WWE's trainers, I don't know they've put him on a different diet, training, whatever, but whatever has happened has put him in unbelievable shape. But it is an interesting one, is it? Because now he doesn't, he just looks like, Another big fella, not a giant. But the only thing I'd say is, I don't think he'll ever lose his mystique for as long as he can chop people the way he does. That's where it comes from, because I've never seen anyone chop anyone like that. I just think, I think you're right. Everything you said is right. But I think where where image is everything 
just hypothetically, if you took two people who never watch wrestling and put Gunter next to, say, I can't believe I'm saying this, Ezekiel, and said, who's the bigger guy? Zeke now looks bigger. He looks bigger, he looks wider, he looks thicker. And I just thought, I never thought that would be what happened with Gunter. Why have you put Zeke next to Elias, though? <sighs> or Elrod. They're I'm still just, pushing this, aren't they? Oh, it needs to stop. We'll get to it in a second, sure, but it does need to stop. We will get to it in a second. We'll talk AEW Dynamite as we roll along. We've got Earning the Push and Back to Developmental. Charlie underscore Beckett is him on Twitter. Jack underscore Merley is me. Rate, review, and subscribe. Let's touch briefly on Monday Night Raw. There's no other way to say this. There was a July the 4th Independence Day barbecue, and Otis threw up. If you couldn't tell that Vince McMahon was still in charge of the creative process, <laughs> well, I don't know what to tell you. I I just have no comment. But I don't like these festive things they do. But I'll tell you what was interesting. I was watching um, Battle of the Brands on Up, Up, Down, Down, which I'm so happy is back, that they've come to some sort of agreement to have Tyler Breeze back on it. Him and um, Austin Woods. Austin Creed, sorry, I've mixed his two names there. Xavier Woods. And Wood, they were chatting at the week on the last episode, and Wood said he knows the fans don't always love them, but the festive, the themed matches are some of the funniest and most fun matches to compete in. And he's given an example of, he said, Cesaro, who's one of the most serious wrestlers he's ever seen, he said he got to put a turkey on his head and watch him run round. He said, I just couldn't stop laughing. So at least the wrestlers enjoy it. At least they do. But when you sort of, and, and most folks listening to this, I think probably get up, read the raw reviews on whatever site is your site of choice, and then go back and look. And you're looking and you're going, I know where this is going to end. This is going to end with someone being sick in the ring. And I'm a 34-year-old man. And I just, I, I didn't enjoy it when I was 15. I certainly don't enjoy it now. And just think, come on, Vince. Come on, get it together. Yeah, it's not, it's not great, is it? Like, that's not what I want from wrestling anymore. We have got uh, Bobby Lashley and Theory continuing their feud, it would seem, on Monday Night Raw. We saw Oscar and Becky go to war. Mm. Logan Paul aligning with AJ Styles ahead of his match with The Miz at SummerSlam. So WWE wasting no time in sort of beginning the build towards SummerSlam. Bobby and Theory continuing is interesting because for the lack of a, a world champion on that show, it seems like they're making the US title the belt. Yes, which, which I like. I like that theory. Just he's got the money in the bank. He still wants his US title back. Yeah. So I like that because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want the US title and the money in the bank? So as much as I'm not massively into the feud, I do like they're giving it stakes. Uh, I, I like that. Um, they're pushing Logan Paul hard, aren't they? They are They are dead set on making this a huge match at uh, SummerSlam. Um, I'm sure it'll deliver for a celebrity match. Well, in uh, the time that we've, sorry to cut across you, but it just occurs to me that in the time since we last spoke, we haven't spoken about the fact that he's no longer just a celebrity. Yeah. He is signed to a deal with WWE, which if Ariel Hawani is to be believed, is similar to the Ronda deal first time out, a set number of dates, big events. Logan Paul is a WWE superstar. Which is fascinating, isn't it? Because we haven't seen them do this with an out-and-out celebrity before, so... They obviously see some potential in Logan Paul. And to be honest, anyone who watched WrestleMania could see potential. Like, he, he can clearly hold his own in the ring for, for a celebrity. It'll be interesting to see when we stop saying for a celebrity and start dealing with Logan Paul, the superstar, because they're very different judgments you then have. Because you can be good for a celebrity, but an average wrestler, can't you? So, that means... But it's essentially what happened with The Miz, wasn't it, back in the day? He was a reality TV star, and now he's he'll go in the Hall of Fame. So the precedent is set. And I think pairing him with AJ is very clever. 
of it gives him credibility on screen, but also you'd like to think he's just literally following AJ Styles around backstage going, teach me, teach me, teach me, teach me. And pairing him with The Miz in a match just makes perfect sense because, of course, it does, doesn't it? Of course, they'd be the two working together. And I will be honest, having seen him at WrestleMania, knowing his social media profile, I can't say I'm not intrigued. I can't mm. say I'm not intrigued to see what he does next. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with him. It really will. It really will. My favourite thing on Raw this week was Asuka walking to the ring, just looking like the biggest badass in the world. Absolute, with her mask on. I love that her mask now has the green tears running down. Yes. That mask is just developing into her face, which I think is brilliant. And just walking down with her trash can over her shoulder, a big robe on being like, yeah, let's do it. I still think that Becky Lynch is the best thing going in WWE. I still yeah. think that having having have her kick off the premium live event and money in the bank, the street fight. I mean, she she just is incredible. She oozes charisma. Would not be mad at all if they found their way back to Bianca versus Becky at SummerSlam. If you didn't have Brock and uh, Roman Reigns main eventing that for certain, that would be my my main event because I think that could blow the roof off the stadium. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think and. As much as I said earlier, um, I wouldn't have had the Bianca Carmella match on uh, the pay-per-view. Bianca Belair is just brilliant. She's an absolute, absolute certified superstar. And um, yeah, it, it's interesting, is it, seeing the women's division start to develop a little bit as we see less of Charlotte. Obviously, the Sasha stuff's happening. Bailey's still in the ether somewhere coming back. These, these women, the, the Biancas of this world, the Liv Morgans now are stepping up to the plate. Let's talk AEW. John Moxley beats Brody King to retain the AEW Interim World Championship. We have a new TNT champion as Wardlow down Scorpio Sky to win his first gold in AEW and a big triple threat tag match announced for next week, which I have to admit passed me by until I was watching the show, is another theme dynamite. It's Fighter Fest for AEW, a week removed from blood and guts. AEW not mucking around with the interim world title match and that street fight between Wardlow and Scorpio Sky. Yeah, another good dynamite, another really good dynamite. But my favourite bit of it was, again, I can't believe I'm saying this in 2022, Christian Cage. Let's talk about Christian Cage's promo because he invoked Jeff Hardy in his promo with Matt Hardy, who for slightly convoluted reasons came out and has injected himself into the feud. I don't really understand why, but it's week one. Let's give it some credit. Um, and essentially Christian Cage, I paraphrase, says anyone would think that your brother was the sober one the way you're talking. This follows on the back of Christian Cage invoking uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry's dead father in a promo last week. They are not mucking around with this. Not at all. And you have to presume everything is okayed by the people he is speaking to. You have to hope that he's not dropping these without checking with Jungle Boy, without checking Matt Hardy. So let, let's say that is taken as a given. He's a professional Christian. He's done this for a long time. You can't, you can't miss Christian's promos at the moment. You, you cannot not tune into them when you're watching Dynamite. He's making himself absolute must-see because he's saying things that you cannot believe he's saying and he's just been a brilliant heel and Luchasaurus, just by being stood next to him, he's getting the rubber of the green on it as well. Yeah, Luchasaurus really gave off Kane vibes yes. to me when he came out. I mean, I don't know if that's intentional, but from his body type and his height and the way they're shooting him and sort of the flames coming up, and I think I'm buying into him as a heel, you know, which I never thought I would be able to do because let's never forget, he's a wrestling dinosaur called Luchasaurus. And yet I'm going with him as Christian Cage's heavy. 
honestly, I don't know with Christian as the mouthpiece and Luke Shaw as as the heavy and the enforcer. And there's obviously always a time and there's always it's always going to come back to one day the heavy turns on his handler, don't, don't they? That's always how this goes. But right now, sky's the limit for what these two can do together. Like they can climb up this card with Luke Soros just laying people out and Christian speaking and laughing. Let's talk a little bit about the fact that Christian Cage is even doing this because it wasn't that long ago. Christian Cage, to all intents and purposes in WWE, was retired. He was done. And we've spoken so much about Edge's journey as a WWE superstar, a Hall of Famer, coming back, putting the work in. Christian Cage has done exactly the same. And he's made the jump from the company where, let's be honest, he was always seen as in Edge's shadow to AEW, where he's so relevant all of a sudden. It's amazing. It is, it is mad how a lot of these guys keep start doing their best work towards the end. It's just like it's just like they've learned so much over a 20-year career, and they're like, I'm ready to put it all out there now. And you can see that. He's so comfortable. He He's enjoying it, you can see. And he's just doing some brilliant, brilliant work. And the thing is, I bet he can still go in the ring as well. As long as his body's injury-free and wise, he can go, because he was always a brilliant, brilliant wrestler. He just, unfortunately, was always seen as Edge's mate, which is which is probably a bit tough. Yeah, and it's twice now he's struck out from WWE to go and do his own thing. We saw it in Impact Wrestling. We're seeing it now. Wardlow has got the gold for the first time in his career, beating Scorpio Sky. Scorpio Sky did not get a lot of offense in that match. It must be said, um, American top team was sort of fodder for Wardlow throwing Sky around. The new TNT champion, Wardlow has a belt, looks good on him. It, it does, doesn't it? And this is some push. This is They are not messing about. He's basically beaten... In a handicap match, Scorpio Sky, Don Lambert, and all of American top team here, if we're being honest, because it was a street fight, and then pinned him with his foot. Just stood like, on it. Did you like that? No, I would have. If I was Scorpio Sky, I would have liked to be pinned properly. A little, a little bit of respect, because he's absolutely bad at everyone. He can, at least he can do is pin me properly. Yeah, I, I thought that. I mean, I get why he does it. It's his gimmick, but Scorpio Sky is no joke. He was at the start of AEW challenging Chris Jericho for the world title, one half of the world tag team champions. He's a TNT champion. He's a guy who won the face of the revolution ladder match. He should not be being pinned one-footed. And Wardlow, I, look, I'm not saying it, it was anything other than that was the way they structured the match. I'm not saying any subterfuge here, but someone I think should have caught that and gone, no, no, that's that's Scorpio Sky. We don't pin him one-footed. Yeah, that everything else I was good with, that was a little bit much. Um, but he is on an absolute path of destruction, isn't he, Wardlow? And you know the match I want to see. Go on. I want to see two big boys slapping me, as Biggie would say. I want to see Wardlow versus Keith Lee. Oh, Keith Lee. Well, I thought you were going to go with the Miro suggestion, but Keith that Lee I'd also like that. to see. But Keith Lee springs to mind a bit more now. That tag match next week, I do enjoy his tag team with Swerve, and their finisher, uh, Swerve and their glory, is such a good tag team finisher, isn't it? It's so good. But I do miss singles, Keith Lee. I think it's tough to say someone's wasting a tag team division when it's that good a tag team division. But I feel there is more upside to Keith Lee on a singles run in AEW than there is in a tag team. I completely agree. I completely agree. And I think we've had this conversation before. When Keith Lee came to AEW, did he think he would be being used in tag matches like this? Well, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. He seems a pretty chilled guy who takes a long-term look at it. But I I think he could be doing more and maybe should be doing more. 
I want to talk briefly about something Wardlow said in an interview earlier this week. And I don't know if this was in character, if this was a shoot or, or fell somewhere in between, but he was talking about MJF and he said, he made my life hell inside the business and outside of the business. And that's all I've got to say about him. And we're in what week five now of no MJF references. Although I think I caught one on dynamite last night. There was one MJF reference, but the hottest guy in wrestling still is a ghost in AEW. It's interesting, isn't it? It makes me think maybe there's more shoot to this than we thought, because if it was a work, surely you'd be capitalizing on, on, it being the hottest thing five weeks ago, and we've heard nothing. Surely, from a business point of view, you keep the ball rolling, you keep eyes on it, because we've kind of forgotten about it, haven't we? So much is happening so quickly in wrestling now. If you're not the it thing, you're not, if that if that makes sense. Like, you are yes, so quickly yesterday's news at the moment that when he does come back, if he comes back, people will need reminding what happened, which is bonkers, because it was the most pipe bomb promo we've had since the pipe bomb. And it's kind of just petered out now, hasn't it? So it's, it is fascinating, but also confusing. I mean, think, and I'm, this is a show where we fantasy book to a degree, and I, I'm sure they've got ideas. And look, all of this may be predicated on the fact it was real. He's no longer with the company. It may be that, but let's assume it's not. Imagine how different the past five weeks would have been if we had MJF giving a shoot interview to someone, MJF started a Twitch channel where he just gave his opinion. MJF turns up at one of the arenas. We see Tony Khan come out and come We would be talking about him week to week to week. There'd be that buzz. And now there's nothing about MJF. And maybe it is because he's not there anymore. But if it's not, you had one chance to play that. And to me, at the moment, as things stand, if he's still with the company and they're just trying to be clever, they've loan it to a degree yeah I, I entirely agree i i do entirely agree on that it's not how i'd have done it if this is if this is a work um question mm. are they purposely ignoring ftr now in the tag team division i i don't know but i could you could see i think on the face of the bucks when they were trying to set up that triple threat tag match for fighter fest next week team taz swerving my glory the bucks uh i think they're going to triple or nothing the, the fans that's a rubbish name by the way a triple that's, a, tag. that's yeah. a rubbish name guys yeah. sorry just have to jump in like normally you're quite good at make that one doesn't work fellas that doesn't mean anything i get it because double or nothing but yeah, it wasn't but... like it wasn't like their singles matches are called single or nothing matches no it doesn't work that one guys but you could see in in the face of the bucks that that um when they were announcing that match and FTR was being chanted by every single person in that arena, they had to acknowledge it. I don't know why they are not pushing the bucks to the moon or well, uh, FTR to the moon, excuse me, because this is where they got two companies and it's a bit of an issue because the AEW fans want FTR against the bucks. What we're getting is FTR against the Briscoes, which is great, but for ring of honor at a completely different time and place. And also you, I love their, um, ladder system of who's number one ranked and top challengers. You can't then just ignore it. FTR are the number one ranked tag team. That's like being like in boxing. Yes, you're the number one contender, but we're going to go for the guys who aren't even the top five just because we fancy it. That's If you use this system, you have to use it. You can't just ignore it. And don't you think this comes back to AEW fans who pay to go and see AEW Dynamite, who watch AEW on Fight TV or ITV, they are AEW fans. It's all well and good to say, 
oh, but you're getting FTR against the Briscoes at death or dishonor or whatever it may be. I'm not an ROH guy. I wish wish the company well. I want all the people to succeed, but I'm tuning in for AEW. I don't want my 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 AEW TV to be promoting Ring of Honor matches. I, that's not what I want. I want the Bucks FTR. That's what we all want, and I don't know why we're not getting it. it it's confusing, and I don't... I don't see what the end game is here. And FTR seemed just as frustrated on Twitter. Now, I don't know if that's shoot work, you don't know. But it just doesn't make sense, does it? And they are over. Have you? Mm. Had, when was the last time you heard a tag team this over? We didn't speak about it last week. I think, was it? No, we haven't, we haven't been since it because it was on um, Rampage. Then with Danhausen was brilliant. It was I st- again, I don't quite understand why Danhausen wasn't with Hook. No, nor do I, but I'm just trying to enjoy it. Yeah. If you think too much, wrestling will never make sense, will it? He needed two mates. Hook was probably busy wooing a girl or something, because that's chips. what he does. Yeah. yeah, just being Hook. And FDR thought, yeah, we'll go with a weirdo with the face paint on. But you've got these guys who are the most over baby faces probably in the whole company. I mean, I would go that far. I don't think there's any baby face who is more over than these two. Get them on your main TV show. Every yeah. I don't care what you've got planned. Say, that's lightning in a bottle, because I don't really know where the FTR turn came. It just sort of happened. There wasn't a yeah. definitive moment. Get them on your te- telly. It just seems to be the new thing in wrestling, that you get someone super popular, make them the must-see thing, and then don't put them on TV, a la FTR, a la Roman Reigns. Bizarre. Bizarre. I do like, because it was a good dynamite, I like that Brody King came out looking far stronger facing John Moxley and sort of got elevated. Bit of a strange match. Maybe it's because it's still holiday season in the States. Not quite sure why they went with that match there, but I enjoyed that. Brody King getting a bit of a singles opportunity and Moxley's promo to set up the match. Sensational. Just so good. He's so good in that role, isn't he? He, he just, yeah, he's... I'm glad John Moxley is healthy and is loving what he's doing because we're just getting a brilliant, brilliant title run out of him again. And I hope they don't take the interim title off. I hope we do build to him versus CM Punk whenever that can be. It's the biggest match they've got at the moment and it's going to be sensational. And we can't forget that Kenny Omega is waiting somewhere out there in the ether. Do get out of your way to watch Dynamite this week. It was a, it was a pretty good show. One final thing on that before we do a bit more wrestling talk, then send something back to developmental and give something the push. Remember, rate, review, subscribe. He's Charlie underscore Beckett. I'm Jack underscore Murley. Charlie, where's the All-Atlantic Championship? Where? Where? Where's that gone? What? Why would you introduce a new championship, make a new champion, and then not, not show it to us for two weeks? Do you know what I think it's like AEW sometimes? It's like, um, you know, Coronation Street, and they do a big story, and they do a cliffhanger, and something's happening behind the door of door number one, and you go, oh, my goodness, what's happening at number one Coronation Street? What a moment. There's a murderer in there, and someone's upstairs, and they're trapped, and then the next two weeks, you're at house number three. And you just, you have to be introduced to all those stories. And you go, I don't want that. I want this other one. They made a big song and dance about this All-Atlantic Championship. And I haven't seen Pac on my telly for two weeks now. It's such a beautiful belt. It's It's such a lovely belt. And Pac's such a little grumpy Geordie, but he's so good at wrestling. I'd have, I, it's one of my favourite things. I'd have an open invitation for each week. Yes, I, I love that. The US title open invitational John Cena era was one of my favourite bits of wrestling. And it just made the title relevant, it made the champion relevant, and it made the challenges. 
and it made some intrigue. And we got brilliant wrestling. You look at the Owens matches, Zayn, Cesaro, those ones. I do that because one thing they're not short of is a stacked roster. So you haven't always got time to build a story. So just throw someone in against Pac. You don't need a story. They just fancy the title. Let wrestling be the story. Let the story one week be someone is working Pac's leg. Let the story one week be that someone from Pac's past turns up. Let, just just really simple. Give that 15 minutes to him each week and just say, let's see what you can do. Let's give you that wrestling. I thought Penta and Roosh, he's not Rush, he's Roosh, I learned this week, had a brilliant match for wrestling. But again, I don't like the assumed knowledge that I know about all their Mexican past. Amazingly, guys, I don't know about their past in Mexican wrestling. So teach me about it. Tell me about it. Give me a promo package. Give me a three or four minute promo package that tells me about it properly. Don't have the commentators drop in little bits because let's be honest, they probably don't know either. They've just been told what to say. Teach me. Teach yeah. me. I can, I can then go, oh, okay, these guys are feuded for 10 years in AAA. Right, there's some relevance here. Don't just tease me with it. The assumed knowledge, that is probably my biggest gripe with AEW right now is there's so much going on there's, with New Japan, with Ring of Honor, with Triple H, and it's brilliant. It's great for wrestling, but tell me about it. Make me understand it. Don't assume I do. Same gripe we have every week. I don't think it's going to change. You pays your money, you takes your choice. Credit to AEW for a really nice package, though, about blood and guts, because I thought that was good. I mean, all those guys backstage with the blood dried on their faces to show what it means. I thought that was excellent. Very quickly before we move on, let's go quickly back to WWE. Obviously, it looked like we were building towards a storyline with John Cena and Theory. Theory now has a briefcase. Here's what I'm thinking in my head. Theory versus Cena for the briefcase. Cena gets the briefcase off Theory, cashes in ahead of time on Roman at a rumble at Clash at the Castle, at Survivor Series, something like that. He pre-announces it. What do you think? I'd, I'd like it. I just think it kills Theory. I think it kills him, losing think? the briefcase. Because... Why would I always say, why would you put the briefcase on the line? What reason could someone give you? Or the only, I guess with Cena, it's the only way he gets the match with Cena. But I'm sure I, I was pretty sure we were getting Theory Cena at SummerSlam. So now that Theory Lashley is announced for SummerSlam, I don't know if maybe something's changed with Cena's schedule with his insurance. You don't know, do you? But I am fascinated about when John Cena comes back to WWE because I don't see how it happens so easily. And he's so adamant that he's coming back for a bit. I just I don't see how. That's what I was thinking about. Well, is this the bit that gets him back? Because you know, if WWE could put on a Roman Reigns John Cena match for one of their big events, they would absolutely do it. And part of me thought the way you get around it is you just have McMahon not turn on Theory, but but have have Cena request the match with a briefcase. Have Theory go, oh. Mr. McMahon wouldn't do that to me. He's got my back. And then Vince sort of gives him the look. And then you realize that Cena was Vince's man before Theory was ever Vince's man. I think there's a way there. And I just can't work out how you square everything with Theory, Cena, the briefcase, unless you do something like that. I could absolutely see it. And I like that whole Vince's, yeah, he's got Theory's back, but it's John Cena. Uh, I'd be into that. I dig that. And then yeah, Cena taking the titles off Roman for to break the record. I can see that story. Didn't even think of that. There we are. I think we've booked it. You can have that, Vince, or Steph, for, or for whoever's a, in charge. For a fee? No, 
if one thing we've learned recently, Charlie, without getting too deep into the waters, is if Vince McMahon is paying you money, you probably have to do more than give him a suggestion for booking. I'm going to not say what I was going to say, and we'll move on to the next bit of the show, hey? Let's move on. Let's give something from everyday life the push. Let's send something back to developmental. It's our favourite part of the show each and every week. Charlie, first or second this week? I'll go first this week. Go for it. Uh, Unsurprising to anyone, back developmental for me is pre-season. It's the worst. It can stop. And I'm one, literally one week in of eight, and I feel like I want to die. So eight um, weeks before the season starts. Yeah, I think we are... I think we're... Our season starts the 10th of September, so more than eight weeks, but I think it's six our first pre-season game. I think, something like that. I, I'm, but we, um, we had fitness testing last Thursday, which is, we had a Bronco test, which is not fun, but you know what's coming with that. It's a test, you do it. And then this Monday, we met, and we all started to head up to the pitches, over to our pitches. It was like, no, 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 lads. Yeah, had S&Cs, strength and conditioning coaches, live for pre-season, the absolute scoundrels. No, lads, this way, follow me as we ran across to Ampthill Park that I've not been in before. Lovely park, by the way. Would be lovely for a walk. I'd love to take Otto. Tell you what I wouldn't love to do, run round the bloody thing. Wow. Some of the steepest hills I've ever run up in my life. And you know what? I'm doing it again tonight, yesterday when this goes out, and it's awful. It was genuinely one of the worst sessions I've done in my 11-year professional career. It was hideous, and we're doing it Every Monday and Thursday, apparently, for the first four weeks. The problem is, as well, you are in a position of some authority at that club now. You are you have to lead the way. You yeah, can... I can say this because none of the boys listen to this. Um, yes, I have to be like, yeah, this is great. And inside, I am dying. <laughs> I've never had, I was laughing about it. In my head, I've never been like, I am sprinting and then had more of a drop-off to the pace I'm actually moving at than the last time going up the hill. Because in my head, I was like, sprint! And genuinely, I was slower than a walk. I almost started falling backwards down the hill. So here's my question. You are all bigger, I would assume, than your strength and conditioning coaches. And there are more of you. Could this not be like a wrestling heel turn where the manager sort of sends the the monster tag teams out and they don't take it anymore? I mean, you should just powerbomb them. Yeah, but as much as we love to moan like I am, we all know it's good for us. And I I get a sick enjoyment now, but I do actually love preseason in a weird way. Like... There's a great, it's a great feeling knowing you are pushing yourself as hard as you can and that feeling at an end of a session where you're absolutely empty and everyone's doing it together and it builds a camaraderie. I, I have a genuine, genuine belief that nothing builds bonds and camaraderie more than um, shared hardship. And that's what pre-season is. You go through the hardship. So as much as I like to moan about it, and I will throughout the pre-season, I actually kind of love it. So that's back development in a weird way. Uh, earning the push for me is it's a twofold. Yep. It's the England Test cricket team who are just redefining the way test cricket's played. Like, genuinely, this is bonkers. They have, if, and if anyone's not a cricket fan, you might not understand, but if you are a cricket fan, you'll know what I mean. They just don't care what they're chasing in the fourth innings now. Like, they, they genuinely do not care, and they'll just go out and they'll attack it, and it's brilliant. But the main thing is, and I don't know, so Test Match Special is probably my favourite sports show. I love the radio commentary that BBC do for Test Match Cricket. It is brilliant. And this week, their conversation was how much like The Undertaker Johnny Bairstow looks. Oh, my days. And I hadn't, I hadn't thought of it. But once it's said, you can't not see it. And not for the black hair, but when he's Mark, the young Undertaker who still had his ginger hair, when he came out of Survivors in 1990, the eyes, the nose, the ginger 
Johnny Bairstow might be the love child of The Undertaker. I think for next week, what we should do is we should come up with a list of other cricket-related wrestling puns or things like that, because I think that that would be quite good fun. Yes, I'm, 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 I'm game for that. Do you know my favourite thing about, about this um, test and, and, and sort of the games England played recently is Joe Root, and I don't know what you'd call it, but you don't usually see it in test matches, that little scoop back over his shoulder towards the boundary behind him, which just doesn't happen in test cricket, and he's pulled out a couple of times. He's just playing ridiculous shots. And with Joe Root as well, he's he will go down as one of the least successful England captains for his record in the fact that he won more tests than anyone else, but he had more tests and he lost a lot and they had a terrible end. But the English cricket team in COVID kind of strapped cricket on their back and they played in bubbles and they went around the world. So we had cricket to watch. And that was not an easy thing to captain. What I love seeing is how much fun he's having now not being captain. He's given it to Ben Stokes. And it takes a big man to come out and take the mickey out of himself in his interviews for how, how he captained. And I've, I just love seeing Joe Root enjoying his cricket. Him and Johnny Bairstow, who've grown up playing together, just scoring bucket loads of runs together. And I, I love sport. And genuinely, I, it sounds quite hyperb... That's not the word. Hyperbolic? Yeah, hyperbolic. 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 Thank you, Jack. You're the radio presenter. I'm just this, <laughs> a stupid rugby player. It sounds quite hyperbolic because they played four test matches. So it's not much. But I do think they're going to... It's changing the way people see test cricket because before, if you had to chase over 200 in the last innings, you're like, oh, this is tough. They've chased over 275 four times in a row now without breaking sweat. It's it's just so fascinating to watch. And I, I love cricket and I'm loving seeing what they're doing at the moment. Two very good choices. Technically three, but we don't mind that at all. Um, short and sweet for me, earning the push this week, England and the Lionesses, Euro yes. 2020, uh, 2021, but 2022, because it was carried over by the year, um, is starting. It has started, as you listen to this, some atmosphere at Old Trafford for England against Austria. I remember only a few years back when I was commentating on Yeovil Town Ladies and they were drawing in a crowd of 1,600, which was record-breaking at the time. So to see the Lionesses at a packed-out theatre of dreams, the noise of the crowd, for those who watched it as well, you could tell there were so many young folks in there watching the game. Hell of an atmosphere. Yeah, women's sport is growing at a monumental pace across all sports, whether it's women's rugby breaking records, women's football, women's cricket with the 100 and their test match crowds. Yeah, it, it's brilliant to see. And it's great to see things like just very simple ways to promote it, like all the England men getting behind it on social media, wearing the shirts with the women's name on the back. And gen- and didn't seem like any of them were doing it because they'd been told to. It seemed genuine interest in seeing on their Instagram they are watching the games. And just people treating women's sport with the respect it deserves and not any differently because it's women playing it because it is the same sport, just it's women playing it. And that that is the only difference. And it's brilliant. Yeah, sport is sport. So that's getting um, the push from me. Back to developmental. I'm wearing my glasses today. And the reason is, my, my, this is a very, very specific one. But the way my contact lenses get cleaned is what you have is you have a little tub. And at the bottom, it's got a tab of alkali. And you put the contact lenses in and you pour acid on it. And the process of the alkali neutralizing the acid does a lovely job of cleaning the contact lenses. On occasion... The acid and the alkali do not neutralize each other. And the only way you know is when you put them in your eye and you realize you've just put a contact lens with a little bit of acid into your eye. If you do not know contact lenses, you will not appreciate the pain it can cause, but there's nothing like it, which is why I'm in my spectacles today. So contact lens solutions are getting the uh, back to developmental treatment. That sounds 
hideous. It, it's honestly, you don't, you don't, you, you were 20, 20. I'm not years. blessed with many things. I'm bald. I'm <laughs> freakishly large. I'm Northern. But no, that is a blessing. That one thing blessing. I, one thing I am blessed with is, oh, I can see. I can see well. I'll tell you that for nothing. Because um, my other half cannot, to the point where she is as blind as they come without her glasses or contacts. And I didn't really believe it until a few weeks ago. I put her glasses on for a joke. And it was like I'd been dropped into another realm. Yeah. I've never, it, she's so blind. If I take these off, I cannot read what is on the screen. Yeah. And I cannot see, you are just a blur. You are just a shape on my screen. And I hate wearing them, but I got to wear them because my solution well, backfired. I, I tell you what though, it's saying like a lot of glasses wearers hate wearing their glasses. Yeah. I think a lot of people, and you included suit glasses. Like when you came on your glasses on the screen, I was like, oh, Jack's looking good in his glasses. Like genuinely, you see, and also I think Jack's had a little bit of a haircut. He's got his hair joined. Jack, I don't know who he's got on Zoom next. Jack, <laughs> Jack's trying to impress someone. It's not me. Jack's dressed up for someone. He's got his best quarter zip that matches the color of his microphone on. So, what, who are you interviewing next? Who have you got on? Are you doing? Have you got an interview with Hook next or something? Uh, 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 there isn't. There isn't anyone I'm trying to impress. But I'll tell you when we stop recording who it might be, and then you might see why that's happened. So Ooh, that, mystery, mystery, please. Um, look, we should probably um send this back to wrestling before we wrap up. Uh, before we go, remember Charlie underscore Beckett is him. Jack underscore Merley is me. Rate, review, subscribe. To earning the push, tell other people what you uh, enjoy about the show and why you listen. We'd appreciate it very much. Does Brock Lesnar, Charlie, final question, show up on SmackDown this week to begin the build to SummerSlam, which isn't that long away? It's at the end of the month. Yeah, I think he has to, doesn't he? Like they've got to get us fired up for this match. They have to. And as much as I don't need to see this again, I do like seeing Brock. I just wish we were getting Brock with someone else. A different story, but. Cowboy Brock is just a pleasure and a blessing on our screen. So I, I think so. But also, hilariously, it will matter on where SmackDown is because if it's near where he lives, he'll probably pop in. If it's not, he probably won't. And I'm not sure where it is. So let's hope it's near the farm. If you were a champion, that is what you would use your prerogative for. You would just say, look, no matches anywhere near Minnesota or St. Paul's or the Canadian border and we'll be absolutely grand. Um, look, busy one today. Thank you all for listening. Time for us to go. On behalf of Charlie Beckett, on behalf of myself, Jack Murley, thank you for listening to Earning the Push and we'll see you again next time. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.